Hey, this is Helen Paradise from SoCal, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How is long? <laughs> you have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate 54 wiener. Oh, listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. And just like that, we are into the second hour. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Welcome aboard. We talk about Barbecue Central Show things on this show. Breaking news, trends, tips, and tricks. Barbecue Hall of Fame guests, just regular guests. All of that stuff. If you're missing it live, because we do it live each and every Tuesday. That's right. You can get it on podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. You can follow me socially. At BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat. Slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook and Twitch. Slash RD Rempy. On YouTube for live video feeds. Streaming live on Clubhouse as well. And don't forget, in about 10 minutes from now, if you feel so inclined, you can jump on with me and the other embedded correspondents and take part in the 100% surety portion of the embedded correspondents segment. Which, by the way, still to come on this show, the Embedded Correspondence, of course, if you could put two and two together. You can also get an ad-free podcast feed experience one of two ways. Become a patron at the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Show. Or if you're an Apple Podcast user, you can subscribe to the ad-free portion right there in the app and on the show. Still to come, or coming up, on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this coming Friday, episode 217. Taking you back, if you can believe, to January of 2014, eight years ago, and perhaps one of the most infamous and popular guests to ever appear on the show twice and only twice currently, Ronnie Lots of Cigars and Stripes in Berwyn, Illinois, which I believe is a western suburb of Chicago. He will be featured this coming Friday. This is actually part two of an episode that had two parts, or part two because there were two appearances. And what can I say about Ronnie and his segments? It was done in a time that didn't see the same type of demand from my guests as it relates to sound quality and gear. He's a guest that has no issues pushing his own agenda in a blatant fashion. He is a guest who has no problem calling me the wrong name on purpose, a.k.a. Gene. Some of you took offense to that when it was actually happening, seeing that as a sign of disrespect. I didn't necessarily see it that way. I actually thought he was calling me G, like the letter, instead of Greg, shortening up for G, trying to sound a little hip. And then old friend of the show, formerly Deputy Corey, now Detective Corey with the Lake County Sheriff's Office, said, hey, and this is like him and I hanging out together one night. He was listening to the show, and I was like, yeah, at Ronnie Lotz, he's a character. He calls me G, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, did you say he calls you G? And I said, well, yes, you can hear it right there. He's like, no, 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 no. It's not G. He's calling you Gene. Like the wrong name on purpose. Kind of sounds like G, but it's Gene. He's doing that on purpose. And I thought, no way would a guest go out of his way to call me the wrong name on purpose. 
And I went back and listened to it. And then I went back and listened to it seven other times after that. And clear as a bell, after Detective Corey brought it to my attention, he was 100% calling me Gene. And again, a lot of people said, hey, that's disrespectful. Don't ever have him on again. Uh, Again, I don't necessarily see it as a sign of disrespect. Definitely a one of a kind personality, if we can say it that way. So be sure to check out this coming Friday's episode if you're not familiar with it. Definitely wild, definitely crazy, definitely wondering at any and all points if you're hearing what you're actually hearing or what are you hearing? What is he talking about? And within this subject matter, Friday. He has some pointed advice for anybody looking to get into the barbecue restaurant game. So if you are on the fence, don't make any decisions until the episode is released this coming Friday and you listen to what Ronnie Lotz has to say about getting into that business. By the way, Lance Owens in Hawaii, you should fly from Hawaii to Berwyn. To check this guy out if you haven't already. Forget about Sam the cooking guy. Fly to Chicago, then go due west to Berwyn and check out Ronnie Lotz and tell him I sent you. He'll probably treat you like a king. And there's a way better chance that you run into Ronnie Lotz than Sam the cooking guy for obvious reasons. No offense to Ronnie. And of course, don't forget if you want to hear a guest or segment again that has been lost in the archives. Do you would like to see refreshed in a best of format? Email John and let him know what you would like to hear. J O N at the BBQ Central Show.com. In fact, some of the best best of shows have been from listener requests. So I certainly appreciate that. Now, I mentioned last week I didn't have a lot of time in the run up in the beginning of the show to give my thoughts on the Jeremy Andrews conversation from a couple weeks ago do have a couple minutes here. So I'll take up this time just to give you my thoughts on it where I'm sitting because it's a little bit more involved than just saying, hey, yeah, it was great or no, it was a shit show. The background stuff, how he got into business, how he grew up, the Harvard Law School stuff, all great. Love hearing about how people get to where they are today. If you listen to this show, You know, I'm a really big fan of making sure that people see and hear the whole story and just don't chalk up success to luck or being rich or generally discounting the hard work and efforts of others that build a career and have success in business or whatever they're successful in. So I really enjoyed hearing about that portion of it, and I appreciate his willingness to talk about it, especially diving into the religion topic for a few moments. I don't know if people ask him about being Mormon. Uh, I mean, I don't care. I don't give a shit about religion anyway, but I do find it interesting that specific to the Mormon religion, there is that not mandated, but as Jeremy said a couple weeks ago, there seems to be a lot of uh, social pressure within that sect that you do the relig- that you do that mission, that two-year mission. That's kind of expected from what he was saying. And again, my best friend in high school was Mormon. He went on that mission. His brothers, his older brothers, all went on that mission. So anybody uh, that I've ever known, male that's Mormon, has gone on that mission. So I just figured that was a thing that you did. I didn't know that was necessarily an option. But it was certainly interesting to hear him carting off to Italy and how that molded a few things in his personality and what he learned and had to overcome being in a country where he didn't speak the language and then uh, having to push the agenda he was doing out there and being of service. Where I struggle with this whole thing, of course, is that Green Mountain Grill is the sponsor of the show, but it goes way deeper than that. Over many years, Green Mountain Grill has sponsored the show. I have gotten to know Jason Baker personally. I've met him on a few occasions. I have hung out with him personally on a few occasions. Plus, we talk to each other regularly on the phone through text message and email. Like He's a friend, and everyone that I know, everyone 
I know that has met Jason and spent time with him love him. Genuine, nice, hardworking, family-owned businessman. All the things that you love about someone personally and in business, Jason has in spades. Show me someone that has a legitimate reason for not liking Jason, and that will be the first person I have met that is not liking Jason. So there is that portion to unpack. I do appreciate Jeremy answering basically two two follow-ups with answers and then declining a third follow-up as far as the litigation goes and what some of the other pellet companies may or may not have to look forward to depending on the ITC stuff. So just some of my cursory thoughts as we look back on that interview. Uh, again, big get. Uh, we haven't had a CEO of a company that's been publicly traded on the show, so that's great. And the fact that he gave two segments to the show, that was great. Didn't anticipate that. And a little bit more open and engaging than I thought he was going to be. So that was good. The embedded correspondents are piling in. There they are in the green room, of course. And we are getting ready. If you uh, want to take part in the surety questions on Clubhouse, get there and raise your hands up so I can pick one of you. Before we do that, I'll talk to you quickly about Primo Cookers. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that they can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue cuts. We also love that they can get rip-roaring hot for high heat grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday lineup of ceramic cookers? The real ability to do true two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking, very important to both professionals and backyard cooks alike because it's the best way to manage a fire with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire and a round ceramic cooker is not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. Enter Primo Grill, their game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute a two-zone setup that you desire. Also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. Really, when you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to configure the Primo Cooker, so you're only limited by your culinary imagination. Also, if you're accessory guy or gal, they have you. They have the drip pans. They have the rib racks. They have the Primo Grill pizza accessory. They have the Primo Grill rotisserie accessory, plus many more to come. Like Green Mountain Grills, sold through dealers only. So go to primogrill.com, find a dealer near you, visit them in person. Many different sizes to choose from. And yes, if you just have to have a round cooker, they have one of those as well. But as I say each and every week, please consider the oval instead. The bottom line is this. Best ceramics in the business? Yes. Patented technology, of course. True two-zone cooking capabilities. I mentioned that a minute ago. Multiple sizes, yes and yes. They do have the round one, as I had mentioned. Visit primogrill.com, find a dealer near you, and check them all out. Facebook or Instagram, give them a follow. Who's ready for a Primo? I'm ready for a Primo. Let's go. Primogrill.com, that's primogrill.com. We're back with the Embedded Correspondents right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back, and this portion being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in three sizes with a host of accessories to complete your Pit Barrel cooking experience. Whether you are a beginner or a professional, definitely cook your one out of the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. It is the fourth Tuesday of the month in the second hour, and of course... That brings a visit from the embedded correspondents, and there they are in full glory. Doug Scheiding is looking at me to the right top and right below me. John Solberg from Michigan, of course, and Caddy Corner down below. Rusty Monson of Salt City Barbecue and the great city of Utah. Gents, always appreciate you joining me, and we have the 100% surety questions ready to rock and roll here. And joining us for this round this month is Robert Salazar joining us. Hey, Robert. 
Hey, Greg. How's it going? I am fabulous. Appreciate you joining us here for the Assurity questions. You know how the game's played here, right? Not a game, but you know how the Assurity is played? I believe so. Yes, sir. Right. You just give me a yes or a no, and we'll go from there. So let's get right at it. Number one. We got plenty to get through here, by the way. 100% yes or 100% no after hearing the Jeremy Andrews interview a couple weeks ago. You believe that he will be the CEO at the end of 2022. Robert, yes or no? Yes. Right. Doug Scheiding, yes or no? Yes, damn straight. Damn straight. Wow. Michigan embedded correspondent John Solberg, yes or no? 100% no. No way. He's not. No way. (laughs) We go to Salt City Barbecue Pitmaster, Rusty Monson, yes or no? And beyond. And beyond. Wow, we. And rounding out the panel, that's me, and I'm with John. No way. No way. If you tell me the gra- there is no greener grass than under your feet right now, that means exit strategy is afoot. I know business, pal. All right, next one. 100% yes or 100% no. Do you believe that the ITC will affirm Traeger's patent infringement claim against Green Mountain Grill? As Jeremy stated, 99.9% in the interview, Doug, yes or no? When he said 99.9, I almost reneged, but uh, yes, I believe they will. Oh. Yes. Rusty Monson from Utah, yes or no? Yeah, seems like it's in the bag, so Yikes. I would say yeah. Robert Salazar, yes or no? Yes. John Solberg, yes or no? I'm going with no because I believe in the human spirit and hope and faith in the little guy. <laughs> it's like John and I are kindred spirits. I am also going with no. I'm going with no for many other reasons, but I am going with no. We'll see what happens. We go to the next. 100% yes or 100% no. If I keep after it, can I also land the CEO of Weber? Chris Scherzinger. John, yes or no? No, I'm sorry. How dare you. Rusty Monson, yes or no? Hell yeah, why wouldn't you? That's stupid. Robert Salazar, yes or no? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) Doug Scheiding, yes or no? It won't be for a lack of trying, but no, they're a stodgy company. They won't. They won't. And because I have 100% confidence in myself, the answer is no. I mean, I really want to try really hard, and I really want to do it, and I don't want to pull back the curtain too much here, but I have slung out what I would call a slew of emails to multiple contacts within the Weber confines, and I have gotten dick in reply to Scherzinger coming on the show. So I'm I don't I don't know if we want to go big D contest to say who's richer, Jeremy Andrus or Chris Scherzinger, and I think it's probably Jeremy Andrus by a lot. That being said, or that should be motivation enough for the CEO of Weber to come on, not to mention that there was a race to IPO. I did it first and Jeremy was on the show and these all are things that I'm putting in the the email. Not like I think Jeremy's richer than Chris, so he should come on or anything like that. But I think that I've been using some things to motivate Chris to come on or whoever I'm pitching. And it's been very, it has been much of the crickets, unfortunately. So we will move on. I'm going to continue though. I would like to have two publicly traded CEOs on the show before the year's up. 100% yes or 100% no. Have you ever eaten at a Dickie's barbecue pit, Robert? No, we don't have them down here. This is just a strange follow-up. If there were, would you? Uh, it wouldn't be on my top list. Um, 
Probably not. <laughs> well, all right. That's a no. That, that was a double no by Robert, by the way. We go to <laughs> Doug, yes or no? Yes. It's based out of Dallas. There, There's quite a few around. 100% yes or 100% no. Rusty, have you ever eaten at a Dickie's barbecue pit at least once? Yes, and it was my first barbecue restaurant experience. Really? Yeah. I'm going to circle back to you here in just one second. John, yes or no? No, unfortunately. It's on the list. <laughs> I'm rounding it out. Yes, many times. There's one 15 minutes from my house due east. I've eaten there many times at various points of the day. And my thought is this. If you're going to go to any type of barbecue franchise or chain and you're within the sect that we are, I'm always one that encourages a downgrading of expectation on the off chance that might help heighten your overall experience. Every time I go into Dickies, I'm going in for somewhere between average to below average, and I'm never disappointed. The ribs always seem to be good. Pulled pork is always a winner. The brisket's always hit and miss. Banana pudding seems to be really good. But always in a chain atmosphere, it's average or a little bit below average, and that's how I go in. John, how do you go into chain restaurant experiences? Pretty much the same. You know what you're going to get every single time, and it's chain restaurant, I hope, for consistency. Whether that's good or bad, I want it to be consistent. Rusty, how was that experience? It was way good. I, I remember, I haven't been back in a real long time, but I remember being really super good. I really enjoyed it. Hmm. So. Uh, do but you, I haven't been in years. Do you also have a similar expectation when going into restaurants like that? Yeah, I do. I always kind of like, like you said, just kind of like minimalize my expectations. I always think that ribs are always good. They're those places. They always seem to be really nice, but everything else is kind of here and there. But I, I don't mind them. I like Famous Dave's a lot. I'll say it. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Doug, uh, do you adjust expectation on restaurants like this? I avoid them like the plague. If, if I have to go with friends, then you know, from the standpoint of any chain restaurant, I will uh, try to limit it to happy hour and appetizers. So I uh, my investment is minimal. Robert, what's your thought on chain barbecue expectation? Well, down here, all we really have is Rudy's. But, uh, you know, it's pretty solid. Same thing. You do kind of step it down. You, you can't compare it to, you know, a lot of these like top joints around. But, uh, I mean... Like down here, Rudy's is still a pretty good solid lunch, you know, so it's not too bad. Uh, let's go to the next one. 100% yes or 100% no, and we'll stick with Robert here. The Super Bowl was a few Sundays ago. Best halftime show ever, yes or no? Uh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> hold on a sec. I got to change. Robert's output here. I have him on the wrong one. That's why he's a little light. All right, got him fixed. Uh, Robert, say something real quick. Hello, hello. All right, there you go. Now I can back you down a little bit because you're coming a little hot. Very good. Uh, John, best halftime show ever at the Super Bowl, yes or no? Can I plead the fifth? I know I got to vote. I'm just going to go no. <laughs> All right. You're entitled. You can say no. <laughs> Rusty, best halftime show ever, yes or no? No, that goes to Katy Perry. Katy Perry? <laughs> Katy Perry. <laughs> Come on, Rusty. You're a tiger with ruby eyes, man. Come on. no one. That's cool as hell. Come on now. All right. Uh, Doug Shiding, best halftime show ever, yes or no? Yes. Yes. All right. Mm. And I will answer last. Best halftime show ever. I'm going with second best halftime show, not the first. Oh. Uh, look, uh, nobody likes rap music between 88 and 92 and 97 more than me. I thought I was born and raised in Compton, California. I was between eighth grade and 12th grade. Uh, I thought I was adopted, all that stuff. In the end, for me, the best halftime show ever was Prince. Nobody beats it. Nobody comes close. Obviously, I'm a huge Prince fan, but uh, outside of that, then the one that was just played here in the most recent Super Bowl was second. Uh, Robert, do you have a favorite Super Bowl halftime show? Um, 
the Red Hot Chili Peppers one was really good. They were uh, they really were enjoyed that show? one. Uh, Red Hot with Bruno Mars a few years ago. I remember the mm. Bruno Mars part. I, I guess. Oh uh, yeah, I guess I remember them creeping. And John, do you do you have a favorite halftime show for the Super Bowl, or do you not even watch the Super Bowl? I, only because someone showed it to me. I'd have to, I'd have to go with the Britney Spears. <laughs> That's all I got. Yes, of course. I mean, you know, Rob, Rusty likes Katy Perry. Why not? Doug, what was your favorite? Oh, well, this was the best one, right? This, this was, was the best one. Obviously, okay. the most notoriety one is the, uh, you know, Janet Jackson, Janet Jackson uh, Justin yes. Timberlake. Yes, yeah. Right. So, I mean, everyone remembers oh, that. Yeah. So. Wardrobe oh, malfunction. Oh, we move on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100% yes or 100% no. Brought to you, this question brought to you by longest running embedded correspondent, Doug Shiding, by the way. The Jeremy Andrus and Chris Young show was the best barbecue central show ever. Doug, yes or no? Uh, yeah, it beats out Michael Simon, my other favorite. All right. Robert Salazar, yes or no? Um, yeah, pretty good. No. Doug isn't uh, impeding your thought process. You're a free thinker, yeah. right, Robert? Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> All right. Uh, John, yes or no? Best one ever? Traeger hat. No. 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 Uh, and a quick no with that. Rusty, best yeah. show ever. No. Seven. Seventh best show? It was a good one, man. It just didn't cover a lot of things I'm interested in. You have far more better shows than that one. Far more. All right. Uh, I would also agree with the last two. Not the best show. Look, I mean, there's a lot of things to consider what the best show is. Now, can we look at it from a statistical standpoint? Was it the best show ever? It was the second biggest show ever. The first biggest mm. show was one of the Sam the Cooking Guy videos. Uh, on its one day alone download number was cresting at 3,100 downloads, I believe. Uh, this one was right up around 28 or 2,900. So it was very close from a statistical standpoint. So if you're looking at that, uh, even then it was at best second. There, To me... I love the fact that Chris showed up huge in the second hour. I wasn't expecting as big of a second hour effort and a get. That was a complete surprise, and I loved every minute of it. It was a great first hour on a number of different fronts. But in the grand scheme of things, I agree with Rusty. I've done way better shows, uh, and and uh, maybe not from a metric standpoint, but just from a personal opinion. I'm not going to ask people what their favorite show was. We know what Doug's was because that's a huge trying to remember out of 16 years of shows. So we'll move on. This one brought to you by the second longest running embedded correspondent, John Solberg in Michigan. 100% yes or 100% no is Doug totally kissing ass with the question just asked. Yes or no? John? Hands down, Mr. Traeger with the Traeger hat on getting paid by Traeger. Absolutely. Yeah. Rusty, yes or no? Yeah, I, I he's he's all in, man. He's Nathan. Robert Salazar is Doug kissing ass, yes or no? <laughs> uh it's public relations, but uh yeah, I guess it can be. <laughs> <laughs> well Doug, are you kissing ass, yes or no? No, actually I wasn't. It was a great show. <laughs> uh I am also going to back up Doug. I don't think he's kissing ass. Doug is not a W two employee of Traeger. Then I think Doug would have a lot less thoughts, a lot less willingness to talk a little bit more freely about certain things. So I just think that he thinks it was a really great show, and that's it. No ass-kissing involved. And here we have made it to the last 100% sure question. So we'll start with our guest here, Robert Salazar. 100% yes or 100% no? You would rather have a raccoon in your home than a mouse. Uh, yeah, it's bigger. I could probably get to it a lot quicker and throw it out or know what we got to do. <laughs> Robert, do mice, yes. do, do mice skeeve you out? Do they what? Do they skeeve you out? Nah, uh, no? we, we're going to be We're man. around. Man's we're man, Robert Salazar. All right. Uh, Rusty, 100% <laughs> yes or 100% no. You would rather have a raccoon in your home than a mouse. As a as a my biggest my favorite movie when I was a kid was Sacred and Nim. So I am an absolutely huge mouse fan. So I'd rather have a mouse. You know, I could not you know, 
a mouse for right. sure. John, you'd rather have a raccoon in your house than a mouse. Hey, kudos to the author of this question. This is this is really out there and really good. I'm 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 going with the mouse because I I've had one of those. I've never had a raccoon, so I got nothing to compare it to. Oh man. You know what? I'm going to go next because I'm going to let Doug answer the question last, and I'm hoping he'll regale us. Uh, 100% yes or 100% no. Would I rather have a raccoon in my mouse? <laughs> would I rather have a raccoon in my house than a mouse? Yes. I would rather have a raccoon in my house. I agree with Robert. I know I can get that mother effer. <laughs> Doug, 100% yes or 100% no. You would rather have a raccoon in your home than a mouse. 100% yes, I'd rather have a raccoon in my house. Why? <laughs> I have experience in this situation and both living in the, the sticks. Um, let's see. We'll go raccoon. I'm seven and oh, I've captured seven raccoons that have come into the house through the cat door. And so <laughs> I basically, <laughs> when we, when we go away, yes, yeah, seven, yes, yeah, seven. <laughs> My record is three in one night, John. Three in one night. 11.30, 2.30, and 4.30. It was a family, I and I did it one at a time. Wow. Now, I've had a, two mice in the house, and both times they went under the fridge. One time I called on my cats, kind of heard around, and then they chased them out. The other time it was kind enough to die underneath the, the fridge and stunk like a mf -er. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we actually had to pull it out and, and wait till it died. And, uh, yeah, so. I don't know if anybody has follow-up questions here, but Doug, once raccoon number one gets through the cat door, <laughs> do you not then just lock up the cat door forever? Negative. No, no. Negative. The cats don't no, have so. to go outside like at free will. You can let them out as you wish. Not, I mean, one raccoon in the house is enough for me to now relegate those cats <laughs> to I will let you out when I want to let you out. Okay, here, here. I mean, it's in our master bedroom, of course, uh, make things worse. And so all you have to do is move a little bit in the bed and, and that raccoon goes and goes out. And you know that it that it's that it's gone. It's so afraid. But uh, yeah, it's it's it could be a dangerous situation. But they're so afraid and they're so nasty. So yeah, you know that they've been inside because they wash their little grubby little paws in the in the uh, uh, water water bowl. So wow. you know you can see. Yeah, well, when we're gone too much and the, they feed the backyard uh, cats with cat food, then the raccoons start coming. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> John, are you good? Are you okay, All right. uh, man? Quick, quick follow-up here. Rusty, are you concerned with the amount of raccoons that have been in Doug's house, yes or no? Yeah, well, no, I've been to his house, but I'll tell you, I, I get it. But the thing is, man, you're telling this horror story. Take the mouse, bro. You got cats, man. Like, why would you want to go through all that mess? When you got a thing that will take care of the problem when it's mice, you got to change your answer, Doug. We I thought, disagree. We thought it had they the cats had gotten both mice, but it didn't, and it died. And we we're like, "What does it smell in the utility room?" We had it was nasty. It was gross. Doug, are you horrified to learn that? Uh, I'm sorry, John. Are you horrified to learn that Doug has had no less than seven raccoons in his house? Yeah, brother. You know, I love you, man. But at some point, when you start getting up into three, four, five, seven, you really got to look inward, man. We really got to get to you and, and figure out a way. To, it's like you you, you got to look inside. We we got to get together. It's intervention time, man. I'm going oh, to talk. I've got, a, I've got a raccoon trap. It catches them. I'm, I'm good at it now. Wow. He's he's efficient. Oh yeah, yeah, in your master bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trapping raccoons in my yeah. master bedroom, running them on down to the furrier for a few extra bucks. Yeah, that's good. Robert, yeah. are you concerned with Doug's experience having <laughs> uh, raccoons at his master bedroom to the tune of seven? Just just a little bit. Uh, you know, it's the same thing. You usually, kind of, you usually assume you learn after the one, but dang, <laughs> it's impressive. Also, at the same time, man. that's right. We uh, We've been here 20 years. I mean, they, you oh, know, good. we've got a huge deck that they live under. And yeah, so anyway. Wow. We've been here for 20 years. I mean, the raccoons are like part of the family. Come on in, gang. Coming in for a cocktail and have a slice of brisket and then just return back to the trash cans whenever you want to leave. And, you know, no problem here. Uh, this has been Robert Salazar for joining us with the 100% Assurity questions. Robert, thanks for joining us this evening. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Y'all stay safe. Thanks, Robert.
you, you stay safe. I mean, he's like, yeah. Raccoons. yeah. Why not? Uh, why not leave? Mm, maybe you can't. But I was going to say, why not leave a bowl of antifreeze underneath the bed? But I guess that could also the cats could take that. Oh, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. I don't. That want them stand close, uh, close to the door where they come in at. But yeah, so and you have to transport them at least what five, six miles away. So I take them about. You know, some people take a 22 to them, and I could do that as well. But I, I uh, transport them across the major highway eight miles away. Wow, we. Well, this is certainly a story that I wasn't expecting to hear this evening, but I'm certainly glad that you said it. John is just in a shambles over here. I thought he was going to quit the show one second, and Rusty, I think, is just trying to meditate it away, putting it out in the ether just to like not have that happen again. So anyway, we will stop here and I will do a quick piece of business as we collect our respective wits about us and get ready to talk about some other talking points. Uh, I will talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies. Get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself from the award-winning rubs and sauces to the American-made grills and smokers. Big Papa known for the championship rubs and seasonings, popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, Double Secret Steak Rub, all winners on the competition circuit and in the backyard. 13 perfectly balanced flavors that transform ordinary meals into extraordinary meals. Big Papa is also the proud owner of Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for a new go-to sauce or you're just tired of what's existing out there on the shelves, give Granny's a try. Great as a base sauce. Also, great all on its own. You pick which is best for you or vary it up. Doesn't matter. Aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, they also offer the very best pellet charcoal and wood cookers available today. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? All right. Take a look at that Old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you're not sure of what grill you need, call them. Ask questions. They're steering the right direction. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers. Com. We are back with more embedded correspondence right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Celebrating over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion being brought to you by Smithfield.com. Right now, head on over there for tips and tricks for well-known live fire cooks like Darren Worth, Jess Priles, Charles Cridlin, mouthwatering flavor, no artificial ingredients, Smithfield fresh pork. Quite simply, some of the finest pork money can buy, the trusted choice of top cooks, and for use at competitions and at home. Again, Smithfield.com. If you're a competitor, smoking with Smithfield.com to report your first place finishes in ribs and pork. As we are rejoined once again by the embedded correspondence. Hopefully everybody is chilled out here through the read as we get through some other discussion points here for the balance of the segment. First of which, after the Chris Young segment and hearing him talk about the combustion ink predictive thermometer, do you have any different thought or viewpoint now on the future of that product and wireless thermometers in general? We'll start with John Solberg. I do. I have hope after hearing that interview with him. Um, he said a lot of the key things to me that are important. He talked about the ease of use. I'm really curious about the eight sensors in that probe uh, compared to its size. But I'm like, yeah, he's on the right track. I mean, these thermometers are typically very difficult to sync up and make work, and you got to cook with them several times to get it. At least for me. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's I think he could be changing something if what he says actually comes through with the product. Rusty, thoughts on that? The only thing that matters to me is that you know moving away from the Wi-Fi, you know, like he said, into the, like a phone, like do, doing it on your phone. 
um, which would be nice because the only thing that I would look for in a probe at this moment in, in time is small because, again, I know he's shrunk them, but they're still very big. And I would like to be able to have it in my smoker at the commissary kitchen and read it right now. That would be fantastic. And any t- anyone that can do that for me, that's not that's like no wires because wires are going crazy all over the old hickory. I could just stick it in wirelessly and do it that way. It'd be fantastic. And hopefully he's right about that. And that happens sooner than later. Doug, your thoughts on this combustion predictive thermometer? Yeah, I th- I was very interested in it. I thought he did do it through the phone, through Wi-Fi, uh, but in a different way than than what Traeger does. So maybe I was I missed that. But um, and I went to go buy one today, and of course I was too late. The sale's over and one hundred ninety nine dollars, and I decided not to buy it. But I do think it is smaller than the cannonball that you get with the meter, Rusty. Yeah, I mean, he did say in the interview that. The gauge hole was going to be, I don't know if he said significantly smaller than the meter, but it was certainly going to be smaller than what's currently out there. I'm, I'm, a, I'm at least encouraged to consider pre-ordering it or just buying it in general. Uh, believe it or not, Sam, the cooking guy, heard the interview and immediately went over to the website and pre-ordered one. Uh, he was that taken with it, so... Uh, to me, that speaks volume. Somebody who is not necessarily somebody in this live fire space, the way we are, I do believe his show is a live fire cooking show, and he is just now beginning to accept that because of what he does, but he's not nerdy about it like we are. So to grab an attention of somebody like that enough to get them motivated to go over and put a pre-order in, uh, that's something that speaks a lot to me. And I'm also a, very intrigued with Chris's thought on the whole surface temperature, and it doesn't matter what the cooker temperature is at or, or what the air temperature is at. It's more of what the surface of the meat is doing and then what that's making the internal of the meat doing and how you can almost make it a, a dry sous vide, if you will, either in the barbecue pit or in your oven. And uh, I can't wait to talk to him more about that and the inner workings of, of how that can actually happen uh, in future interview segments. So uh, I want the same kind of, ability to roam that I think Rusty was talking about. And whoever can do that is going to get my money, whether it's 150 bucks or whether it's 250 bucks. And then of course I want multiple probes. I want four or five or six because I just want to have excess because America loves excess, but I want the ability to be able to hook it up in my house. And then if I want to go to the grocery store or I want to visit Doug on my private plane, I want the ability to connect and have total access to that and not have it be interrupted. And the only thing that can do that right now is the fireboard. And this has the potential of at least being in the realm of that and having that type of connectivity. So we'll see how that goes from there. Second question or talking point of the seed. Has anyone seen the new line of Kingsford products called the Signature Flavors? I don't know if infused is the right word, but perhaps mashed in with things like garlic, cumin, onions, and the list goes on. John, I know you teased it a little bit in the latest Instagram story, so why don't you go ahead and run first? Uh, Obviously, you're familiar with them. What did you think about them? They're different. You know, um, yeah, I ran out and I had to buy a bag as soon as. There's not a lot out there, so you have to kind of stumble, stumble around. I can't really describe what it did to the meat. Um, made the cook area smell great. I bought the onion, garlic, and uh, paprika. It's a, a, a really hard-pressed, like, briquette mixed in with other ones, or you can just buy these separately. I'm not sure what it did to the meat. It changed. It did do something, but I can't describe what it was. But the cook area smelled amazing. It's almost like maybe it's a, a muse or appetizer kind of a thing working on your smell. I don't know. I don't Can you know hold that up again? <laughs> and this is a it's charcoal infused? This is, think of it as a, it's hickory based. Yeah. And it's a pressed briquette and it has the flavors in it. And then. If you buy the combo bag, these are mixed into regular briquettes. Uh-huh. You can also buy these in a bag stand alone and put them in as you want. So that would be Which, like where the flavor gonna, boost comes in. Yeah. And if you're going to try it, I would suggest to buy these by themselves 
when you dump it out of a bag, it's inconsistent. You know, you get, you just, I started dumping the bag. There was six right on top and then there's none. And I kind of had to dig around to pick them out. So this is like a giant pressed hardwood and flavor infused briquette. Uh, Doug, were you familiar with these before you saw John post about it earlier? Yeah, remember I uh, I, I found them at Christmas at Kroger, and when I was in uh, looking for some you know last minute thing, and so th- there's no way smoke is supposed to be a an a controllable variable. Like John says, it's it's uh, you can't control it. So no, danger, Will Robinson, stay away. Uh, Rusty, your thoughts? Uh, it's cool, man. If it works, I mean, I would stay away from it. it just freaks me out, you know. I think uh, John eating it was fucking hilarious. But um, I, I would stay away from it, man. That's just that's cutting it a little too in the science, you know category for me i'm gonna leave it alone i forgot about that john you did take a very small nibble of it and you said it tastes like garlic and it tastes like onions but did it taste like dried garlic and onions or fresh garlic and onions where was the profile um the prof it you know it it was allison i mean if you're familiar with allison it's the compound that's in onions and garlic it gives it that pungent thing i mean it was a allison burn 100 percent there's there is flipping Allison in here. That's all I can tell you. I didn't get any paprika, but to be honest, I don't detect paprika well in my palate. To mm. me, it's more of a color element, but for its onions and garlic, that's what it tastes like when you chew on it. Well, you know, I haven't seen them yet, and somebody had sent it to me through social media, and they were asking me, hey, is this for real? Or is this something that is akin to whatever you and Clint Cantwell did? 10 or 12 years ago with the hickory flavored propane April Fool's joke that we put over on everybody and everybody bought that one. I don't know if you are all familiar with that particular one or not, but I reached out to a couple folks at Kingsford and they said, yeah, absolutely. That's a a true product. And uh, I did a little internet uh, internet research and lo and behold, here they are. And then John shows up with the bag uh, the next day. I mean, it sounds like it's adding aroma to the air. It's not contributing anything to the meat, uh, probably because there isn't any type of real long burn. I mean, John, are you getting a better use out of a, a fist size cherry wood chunk or hickory wood chunk than you would out of these? You know, I don't. It's it's not the same. I mean, your ch- cherry wood chunk is giving me a cherry wood smoke. These have a these give a nice smoke because they're hardwood in them. I can't taste any onion or paprika that it's adding the instructions on the bag says season as normal so i'm going to put those things on anyway and in a controlled amount no matter what i'm cooking so it, it brings smoke it gives me a nice smoke and a nice smell to the yard as i said i can't identify the taste that it's on i didn't do chicken i think you got to run chicken with it i'm not going to waste these and i'll play with them some more but I, I don't think that's intended for us. I think it's intended for the non-barbecue and grilling consumer. Does that make sense? What was yeah? Because they're they're able to get over on them and they're not going to know any different, or they're going to just say to everybody, "I can taste the paprika and the onions and the garlic" when they can't. Well, I think it, it's not to get over on them, but it does. It did really make it smelled like onions and garlic in the cook area. Really big. It was that was a big boost. Um, so I, I don't think it's a not to. Uh, not not it's gonna end my kingsford sponsorship which is never gonna happen i gotta say do not buy unless you just want to make it extra smelly good and and your food should already do that anyway your seasoning should already do that anyway my opinion is it's it's a cute gimmick and it's going nowhere what's the price point uh 12 pound bag was 14 dollars give you know arm close there next question does Kansas City Barbecue need a revitalization? Daniel Vaughn wrote a fairly scathing piece about making a handful of jaunts out to Kansas City, really giving it to some of the old standbys, uh, nodding a little bit to some of the new up-and-coming pitmasters in Kansas City. But as you read through his article, at least my take on it, was that anything that he had good to say somehow tied back to some type of Texas preparation or method or look. Doug, your thoughts on 
Kansas City needing a barbecue revitalization. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure revitalization is the word, and perhaps maybe it's more new energy or marketing. I mean, in a way, Texas Monthly acts as the marketing agent for Texas barbecue. <laughs> and, and further, Daniel Vaughn and the Asian, Mediterranean, Caribbean, is that good for Texas barbecue is my point. Because I'm thinking that that actually tears away at the foundation of what Texas barbecue is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's new and fresh, et cetera, but is that the way Texas barbecue really wants to go? Uh, I'm not sure. Rusty, your thoughts on a KC revitalization needed? Not at all, man. It's like, it's, it's a great barbecue. It's my favorite style of barbecue. Kansas city barbecue is awesome. It's in my opinion, it's barbecue. And I guess if you want to just ride on your high horse, a little salt and pepper and have everyone call it craft barbecue because they put, cook it on some propane tanks, you know, makes that all of a sudden cool and the, and the new standard. But you know, um, for me, barbecue is Kansas city style. I think it's the best kind. I don't think it needs it. And I think a lot of people will come up and utilize it and make it good, but it's classic, man. It's, it's, uh, what most people outside of, you know, these barbecue meccas know is barbecue. So for me growing up, that style was always very prevalent and it's my favorite way. And I don't think it should change. Should there be people trying to do better? Yeah, but it shouldn't change at all. Uh, John, your thoughts on a needed KCBS revital or a KC barbecue revitalization? I, I think it was just maybe they didn't have much to write about that, that week, um, and I, I didn't really get deep into the argument. But, but, but no, I think it's it's either market's going to revitalize it if necessary. It's uh, it's going to fix itself. You know, water's going to seek its level, and if it's broke, it'll get fixed or it'll go away. And I don't think KC barbecue will ever go away or become anything else other than what it is. I'm not a well-traveled person. I think I've documented that very well here on the show. I have been to Kansas City exactly one time in my life. I ate at four different barbecue restaurants. Um, none of them were what I would call the old standby. I didn't get to go to uh, Joe's KC, unfortunately, but I went to Plowboys. I went to Slaps Barbecue. I went to a couple other places. Uh, they all were better than anything that we have around here in Cleveland. Likewise, I've really never been to any of the great Texas barbecue joints as of yet, so I don't really have anything to compare to. If there's a revitalization that's needed, and I'll tell Daniel Vaughn this when he comes on the show maybe next month, the revitalization isn't needed from a Kansas City side to do it like Texas or to base it around Texas or to have a platter that looks like Texas or any tie back to Texas whatsoever. The revitalization, if needed, should be by pitmasters who want to make Kansas City barbecue and then dig back into the history books of Kansas City and see how was it made 40 years ago? How was it made 100 years ago? And base your due diligence around that, around the Kansas City style of barbecue, and then bring that back here into 2022 or 2023 or whenever you're going to launch your Kansas City barbecue style. It shouldn't be looking at another region of barbecue and saying, this is what Kansas City needs to have as a barbecue revitalization. It needs to be more Memphis style or more Texas style or more Carolina style. No, one of the meccas is Kansas City. Just look back into the history and then bring that back or bring that up here into the current year of wherever we're at. That's what a revitalization needs to be. Uh, kind of like what John said, it's going to seek its own equilibrium, and if it doesn't, it's just going to go away. But Kansas City barbecue isn't going away for sure. So uh, that's my thought on it. Uh, last topic here this evening, gents, and always appreciate the time. Uh, Doug, speak on, if you don't mind, the San Antonio Rodeo barbecue uh, took place a couple weeks ago. I believe it was, uh, it was in February. And uh, Fred Robles wins. Uh, I don't think there's really much more of an accomplished pitmaster then Fred, he's a incredible cook, obviously a very successful business person, but he's won a lot of major uh, championships, done very well in the World Food Championships as well, and cooked across a number of different sanctioning bodies and seen success in all of them. But what happened uh, outside of the first position, and how does something like this happen? Well, 
you know, IBCA changed their scoring. We used to be the, you know, the survivor scoring where it was, you know, take 50% off the first table and then 50% off the second table, you know, the multi-round and, you know, so your barbecue had to taste uh, good, hot and uh, lukewarm and cold. So they changed it um, partially in, I think, reaction to the CBA. Um, This is my personal opinion. I don't know some of the internals, but, uh, uh, and they developed a scoring system very similar to CBA, which is there's a first round. And from that, they take the best scores and then they have a final table. And from that, then they, they rate them, you know, one to 15, if there's 15 on the, the final table and you get bonus points for being on the final table, the, the issue and, and the IBCA scoring system has been fraught with a few errors, uh, you know, with the implementation. And, uh, you know, this is one of the major uh, things that happened here. In addition, IBCA cowered down, if you will. And instead of the normal two rounds, they cowered to the San Antonio Rodeo and made it three rounds because San Antonio Rodeo makes money off of more judges. And so they were disappointed in that. So that was really a huge mistake that IBCA made. And, and so, uh, what happened is, is that the, there was a software error and, uh, one that the head head judge in this, in this case, it was Charlene and, uh, she couldn't see that this error had been made and only four of the five scores on that first table had been entered. And she didn't see that until they, I guess they did an audit or something of that. So the person, Larry Zimmerman, who, uh, or uh, Zimmer, he's been great. He was the Lone Star Barbecue Society Cook of the Year and has has kind of come up the last two years and done really remarkable things coming from uh, uh, to be the Cook of the Year. Well, he was called Grand Champion, you know, and amongst your peers and celebra- celebratory and everything. Then on Tuesday, Bill Purvis, who they they found out that you know this table only had four of the of the five judges entered in the scoring and then he was his scores were so high that it it didn't even matter him getting not getting any points on the second one it it propelled him to to reserve grand champion not to mention anybody else on that table that got screwed because they could have gone on to the to the final table as well, you know. So everyone's gonna say, "Oh, I was on, the, I was on, you know, that table four. But um, yeah, so it's 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 really pretty bad. And and that's remember if if what a couple shows ago we talked about region one, which is the Dallas area of IBCA, and Terry Blount, a founder and Hall of Fame member of IBCA, they, they're so fed up with the scoring system, they founded the Outlaw Barbecue Society. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's why we have five barbecue societies. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, was, it was pretty bad. And uh, I feel badly for both Bill and Larry, because, uh, you know, he had to give back the money, the trophies and everything. I would figure they would have given him, you know, let him keep the money, you know, give us back the trophies. But you don't, you can't, and, you no, can't let didn't. him keep the money if you don't have the money, right? Well, yeah. Well, if they've already given him the money, they should let him just keep the damn money. But anyway, so, but uh, yeah, so it, it, uh, it's, it's a bad situation. And, you know, Dennis Butterworth, uh, you know, made a video and stuff. He's new to the board and he's stand up and, uh, you know, trying to really control the, uh, the potential riot and stuff. But a lot of people are pissed off with the new scoring system. And, uh, truthfully, I, I haven't done as well in the, in the, two events that I've done using the new scoring system as compared to the other one. And, and, uh, at least with the old one, you knew, and you could correct. I mean, several times once in IBCA and two or three times in Lone Star, you know, I, I would say I'd go up afterwards. I mean, one time I was con- called grand champion. And I was like, no, I'm not grand champion. Someone else is <laughs> another time. Someone else was called reserve. And I was like, I'm reserve. And, but at least you knew right then and you could correct it. Um, with this, it's, uh, the transparency isn't there. So there would have been no way for them to fix this prior to, to call them. No, no, okay. not at all. I think, I think they had to find it during an audit and, and, uh, uh, you know, of, of the scoring. So hats off to them for at least admitting the mistake. Um, but you know, it'd been even worse if they would have tried to sweep it in, but, but it's not the first time it's happened and they're still running a duel from my, my, the way I understand it, an Excel 
as well as the software. So that gives you an idea of how confident they are in, in this tool. Rusty, have you ever been part of a contest where somebody's been called reserve or third place or whatever, and then you come to find out after retabulation or an audit or something like this that things actually change up and those that were called are bumped back down to 10th or 12th or whoever, and somebody else is catapulted up to whatever their position was? Yes. Um, it was really sad. It was an SCA. And one of these girls, this team, she tries real hard and she shows up to every competition. Her specialty is ancillaries. And she got called first place and she's just sobbing and you know, she was so happy. And of course, the person who won, uh, this, you know, Steak Princess was there, all those guys, and she did really well and she got last place. And I'm like, what the heck? That's so weird. And like, because I had our food, it was so good. And the steaks, there's some rando one. We're like, this is weird, man. Okay, whatever. Everyone's going on their merry way. And one of my friend's wife goes to him. He's like, why do you have the highest score in steak but took like 18th place? It's like, that's weird. So he goes up and they fix it and flips everything. And turns out the girl who got her golden ticket actually was last place. And uh, it was it was bad, man. I mean, we were everyone's going around consoling people. Like it's okay, you'll get it. Cool enough though. That girl ends up coming back a couple months later and getting her golden ticket. So hmm. it all worked out. Uh, John, have you ever heard of anything like this before? And uh, I mean, I know you don't necessarily compete, but uh, your thoughts on how things like this might be able to be caught before wrong people are introduced as higher place than they really are. It's just going to happen, right? When you're changing a system, if you can't do full IT vetting, you know, and front end and back end testing, and most of these organizations are just that, you know, there are societies and voluntary kind of people. They don't have budgets. It's it's going to, you got to ring it out. And that's the only way to do it. How, how to avoid it is never make a change and never make and never grow and just stay wherever you're at and you you won't move forward. It, it's it got to be expected in this organization. And correct me if, if you think that's wrong. Uh, Doug, is it safe to say that Texas having now five different barbecue sanctioning bodies or four different sanctioning bodies is like a team that has two quarterbacks? Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. And and the main and the main quarterback isn't isn't so good. Yeah. So yeah, that that's that is the problem. And 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 the issue is is that promoters that's the last thing they because it reflects on them if the sanctioning body screws it up right so um, they don't want to be involved in all of this so I think that will that will affect IBCA going forward all right so let's wrap it up here and do a little promotion John anything you'd like to promote before I let you go just as always make sure you check out the best moments of the barbecue central show in 10 minutes or less this Friday you can get it wherever you get your favorite podcast feed or sneak on over to the bbqcentralshow.com, and on Friday, it will be right on the homepage for you. Rusty, promotion before I let you go. Yeah, you can go listen to the Pitmasters podcast. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts this week, we had David Knight from Old Hickory Pits, which was a fun interview, and that's, yeah, check us out. Doug, promotion before we end it. Well, this week, uh, headed to the Houston Rodeo uh, Barbecue Contest, and then uh, also, hopefully, I will have uh, the ability to be a guest host with uh, Derek Richards, Riches, who will be on the baseball and barbecue. All right, and I'll be on for the 79th time. That's right, 79th. <laughs> Co-host of tri-host of baseball and barbecue, uh, Doug Shiding from Road Guest host. Yes. All right, uh, so there they are, the embedded correspondents right next to me, Doug Shiding, longest-running embedded correspondent from Texas. Below me directly, John Solberg from Michigan and caddy down to the right is Rusty Monson from the great city of Utah. Gentlemen, always appreciate the time and the efforts. Of course, solid. I think the winner this evening in the second hour is Doug's regaling of the raccoons <laughs> racing through his house three in one night. I mean, can you believe it? I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. All right, uh, let's quickly do this piece before we roll it up. I'll talk to you about Vortec Watch Company, a small batch custom watch manufacturing and vintage restoration company located in northern Colorado. They take antique American pocket watches and turn them into wrist watches. Their mission, preserve and enhance the legacy of manufacturing excellence in America. In order to do that, they combine traditional and cutting-edge technology to create unique quality, functional timepieces with exceptional value. And here's the coolest part. Each watch that Vortec makes is unique and one-of-a-kind. 
Vortic, founded on the motto that America wasn't assembled, it was built. Check out VorticWatches.com. Keep tabs for their watch of the day because quickly they vanish. Once they're up, they go live at noon mountain time. So right around 2 o'clock Eastern if you are over in my time zone. We thank Vortic for their support of the show. So go check them out, VorticWatches.com. And we're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, welcome back. We thank the embedded correspondents, Doug, John, and Rusty for joining me last segment. Then let's go ahead and get all the way out of here, all the way back in the first hour. We spoke with Joe Davidson, Oklahoma Joe, for the second time. After Joe, we talked with Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com. That's also when the internet dumped for about three or four minutes, so I apologize there. I lost all the social media feeds through my internet software wasn't able to reconnect but we were putting the show back on track and then in the second hour is the embedded correspondence Doug Shiding John Solberg and Rusty Monson respectively covering a myriad of issues we also thank Robert Salazar for jumping on Clubhouse and answering the 100% assurity picks with us big show planned for you next week as we open up March last month the first quarter We'll be checking in with Malcolm Reed. We'll be checking in with Sam the Cooking Guy, amongst the many others. So how do I always leave you? September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. It's Sam the Cooking Guy, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Some call him a fool, some even call him a douchebag, but I say Greg Rempe is the greatest thing to happen to barbecue since caveman.